0: Turn to your neighbor and greet them, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Give your neighbor a handshake, say Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Give your other neighbor a handshake, say Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Give the neighbor behind you a handshake, say Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Give the neighbor in front of you a handshake, say Emmanuel. Emmanuel. And greet the viewers all over the world on Emmanuel TV. Emmanuel! Emmanuel! God is with you're all welcome once again in Jesus name to the presence of God tell your neighbor say neighbor, neighbor what's a God we have to worship, God God have worship. what's a son we, son we have to praise what's a future lies before us God God you may have your seats in Jesus name My name is Chris, and I have the wonderful privilege to share with you the Word of God today, which I believe will strengthen your faith, and I pray that this Word will penetrate deep into your hearts, in Jesus' name. At the beginning of this message, I made a very simple statement. I said, what's a God we have to worship? because I think you would agree with me that we serve an awesome God. We serve a great God. We serve a good God. We serve a faithful God. In fact, there are no human words that we can really use to describe how awesome and great God is. I just want to mention a few of the qualities that makes god who he is the god that we are here for today that we worship that we reverence that we adore firstly god is eternal as the bible says in psalm 90 verse 2 god is eternal he's everlasting secondly god is omniscient that means he is all knowing as 1 john 3 verse 20 says as you're sitting down right now, as you're watching live on Emmanuel TV right now, God knows you better than you know yourself. He knows your worries. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your struggles. He knows your stress. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows your failures. He knows your faults. He's omniscient. All-knowing. Before you even pray, he knows your petition. Before you ask a question, he already knows the answer. He's God. Thirdly, God is omnipotent. That is, he is all-powerful. Genesis 18 verse 14 asks the question, is there anything too hard for the Lord? And the answer is no. To God's power, nothing is impossible. Fourthly, God is omnipresent. That is, he is everywhere present. Where can we go from his presence? In the north, he's there. In the south, he's there. In the east, he's there. In the west, he's there. In your hearts, he's there. David captured this truth in Psalm 139, verse 7. And he revealed that God surely has perfect knowledge of man and his ways because we are under his eyes. Everything that is created is under his influence. And nothing is hidden from him. The things that are beyond man to discern are within his knowledge and under his control. He is God. The cause of all things. The fountain of all perfection. Without parts or dimensions, filling the heavens and the earth pervading, governing, and upholding all things. That is our God. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, "Neighbor." our God is an awesome God. Now, why why am I mentioning the qualities and attributes of God at the beginning of this message? For this very simple reason. In the light of this, of acknowledging who God is, I want to ask you a question, a probing question. Why is it that so many of us today tend to approach God as if he does not know us? I'll repeat it again. Why do so many of us approach God in prayer today As if he does not know us, know our situation, know our challenges, know our condition. This will lead us to the title of today's message. How to approach God in prayer. And the proof text for today's message will be taken from the book of Matthew chapter 6 from verses 7 to 8. Matthew chapter 6, from verses 7 to 8. And I read. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Prayer is not saying words. I do words may entertain men, but not reach God. This is what the scripture is saying here. When you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. They think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, verse eight. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Now, I've had the privilege to live in the church for many years. So living in the church you hear different kinds of prayers, different types of prayers that people offer. And I would suggest to you that the kind of prayer a person offers tells us a lot about the kind of person they are. I want to mention to you today four types of prayers that I often hear that are the wrong approach to prayer. Perhaps you can identify with one or two or Or more of them and by God's grace this message will help you to make adjustments four types of prayer that is the wrong way of approaching God in prayer number one petitional prayer that is prayer controlled dictated to by the circumstance you are facing number two instructional prayer that is when you instruct God in the way he should go Do this, do that, bless this, bless that. Number three, conventional prayer. Prayer that is born of tradition and convention rather than conviction and faith. Number four, desperate prayer. Casting and binding. Die by fire, you enemy. (laughs) Desperate prayer, all right? Now, I'm going to look at these different types of prayer one by one. Firstly, petitional prayer. Prayer that is controlled by the kind of situation or circumstance you are facing. Yes, it is true. The Bible says in Matthew 7, verse 7, Ask and you shall. Seek and you shall. Knock and the door. Yes, the Bible says that clearly. Jeremiah 33 verse 3 says, Call unto me and I will answer you, says the Lord. This is God's invitation to pray and his promise to answer. But the Bible is not referring to asking out of feelings. We ask out of feelings when the happenings around us dictates the direction of our prayer. Okay, when there's trouble, we pray against that trouble. If the goings are good, our prayer is of thanksgiving. When the goings are tough, our prayer becomes directed against that. If there's poverty today, we direct our prayer against it. If there's war around us today, we direct our prayer against it. The situation and circumstance around us dictates the direction of our prayer. This is petitional prayer. Are you with me, people of God? Now, a lot of people see this prayer as an avenue to list their complaints to God. If you listen to the kind of prayers people offer when it's time, when you you, you have opportunity to hear people pray, you see them begin to list out a long list of problems God, please heal me, I have diabetes, my father had diabetes, my grandfather had diabetes, my great-great-grandfather had diabetes, my forefathers had diabetes. You begin to list out the whole problems to God as if he does not know your problem. God, the owner of your body, the owner of your future, the owner of your life, when you begin to tell God, I'm sick, heal me. I'm poor, bless me. You are indirectly saying that he does not know your challenge. Let let, let me try and be practical here. If I approach this gentleman, just stand up, sir. God bless you. If I approach this gentleman and I say to this gentleman, sir, you are wearing a black suit and a red tie. What would you say? Yeah, thank God for that. (laughs) He thanks God for that. Of course he's wearing a black suit and a red tie. He's the one that God dressed this morning. He's the one that put on this suit and put on this tie and put on these shoes. But you're telling him as if he does not know what he himself is wearing. This is an embarrassment. Can you see what we do each time we come to God and tell him, lament, lament. Complain about our problems as if God does not know we are facing that problem. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, let God know you know He knows you. You may have your seat, sir. I don't know if you you, you follow this example. Maybe you can relate. When it's time for prayer, you see people list out whole. Truckloads of problems, one, one to the other. They use the time of prayer as an opportunity to mention every situation they are facing. Whereas God knows you better than you know yourself. The scripture we just read says before you even pray, he knows your need. This is petitional prayer. And the wrong approach to prayer produces the wrong results. Frustration, disappointments. I've been a member of this church for so many years. Why am I facing this? I'm comparing yourself with others. This is the result of the wrong approach to prayer. Secondly, let's move on to the next one. Secondly, instructional prayer. Very often our attitude in prayer is to instruct God in the way he should go when we are facing unpleasant situations. Without finding out whether what we are going through is meant to glorify his name. Because you have dropped your offering, dropped this, dropped that, you say, I have a right to receive this from God. You feel as if you are bargaining with God. God, I have come to this church. I have paid my offering. I'm a faithful member of this church. You must give me that contract by next week or else. You're instructing God in the way he should go rather than seeking his opinion, seeking his will. Look, people of God, our lives are in God's hands. We cannot control him. Rather, he is the one to control us. We don't instruct him. He's the one to instruct us. We don't direct him. He's the one to direct us. But listen to the prayers of people today. You see people commanding and demanding from God. Instructional prayer. Let, let me share a very quick story to back up this, this point. A few years ago, after the service, one of the people evangelists that was handing out the anointing sticker to people, Prophet TB Joshua had given the grace for everyone in the church to receive an anointing sticker. So I was handing out the anointing sticker. I got to one mama that is an elderly woman. I, I gave her the sticker. She looked at me and said, no, I don't want it. You, you don't want the, stick, the anointing sticker? I, I looked twice. I wanted to be sure that Mama knew what I was giving to her. She said, no, I know I need them. So I said, Mama, I, I was shocked because most people will ask for two or three or even more. I said, why? She said, my picking, I collect that thing last year. I put them for my shop in work." So, as you can imagine, hearing this kind of I, I felt I should take it upon myself to counsel mama, to advise her, encourage her. So I told mama, I said, look, if you put it the first time and you didn't see the result, that does not mean God is not working. God is working in your life. You just have to continue to be faithful to him. Take this new sticker and put it there. I guarantee you'll come back with a testimony. Finally, mama received the sticker. As I was about to go, something just struck my heart. I said... Let me ask Mama what she is selling in that shop. So I came back. I said, "Mama, that's that shop where you put the sticker. What what are you selling there?" She looked at me. She said, "My Pekin, I cannot lie. I day house of God. I they sell ogogoro." Now. God, as, as I've been in Nigeria for several years, I, I understand what that is. For those who don't know, that's referring to a local type of alcohol, a very strong type of alcohol, right? Mama wanted the anointing sticker to bless her sales of alcohol. She was wondering why the anointing sticker did not produce a positive result in her business, whereas what she is doing in that business is not in line with God. You may laugh, but many of us take similar actions. We try to instruct God in the way he should go. We want God to follow our own tune, to follow our own path, to do what is in our mind to do without confirming if it's his will. And ensuring that our life lines up with His Word. If you just receive these anointed materials here in the synagogue and take them home and feel that just by putting them or using them or praying with them suddenly result will come, you should remember they must be followed by a thorough reformation of hearts and life. The anointing sticker, the morning water, will not work by itself or on its own we have to make it work instructional prayer now this ties in with the next one conventional prayer conventional prayer in Jesus name that's what we've been taught since we are small when the pastor says in Jesus name you respond amen when the pastor says rise up for prayer you rise up whether you believe or not Many prayers today have become just the formality of religion. Reality has disappeared. We we, we are just praying because our fathers and our grandfathers taught us to pray. We have a book that says, offer this prayer, pray in this way, face this direction when you pray, conventional prayer. Let me give you another good example of this. Many people today have come to church praying for God's approval on a plan they have already concluded. They've already made up their mind they are going this direction, but they want God to just crown their efforts with success without knowing if it's God's will for them to take such a step. Let me tell you another story. I met a young man. This is also a couple of years ago. He came to the church. He met me and said, brother, I want to know God's opinion about my marriage. I want to get married. I said, oh, this is wonderful. This is the right thing to do. A young man, he wants to know God's opinion before jumping into marriage. Excellent. Well done. Okay, so tell me more. The lady concerned, is she aware? He says, she's here. The lady, the lady that she, he wants to marry is behind him. I look at the lady. Okay, okay, fine. So, is she aware that you have come to the church today because you want God's opinion on, on the marriage? She said, yes, she's aware. In fact, we're even living together. Okay, you're, you're living together. Okay, so your parents, they are Oh, yes, I've already paid the dowry. Okay? And then he now looked at me and said, and the truth is, brother, she's already pregnant. Okay. So it's after you have got the lady pregnant that you now want to come to the church to say, is this God's opinion uh, for my wife? (laughs) You have already gone too far. You have already taken the step. You have already taken the action. You have already gone ahead. At the last minute, you say, hey, let me quickly run to God, just in case. If a problem now arises in the future, they will say, ah, and I went to church. Conventional prayer. Pray for the sake of it. We put amen at the end of our prayers like it's a full stop at the end of a sentence. Not because it springs from our hearts. Let me tell you one vital truth today, brethren. Prophet TB Joshua says, and I quote, I cannot help anyone who does not accept scriptural solution. If what you are here for today is not sanctioned by scripture, no amount of prayers and tears and fasting can release it. No amount of praying in tongues. Hey, she came and a hundred should have come and a Mazda. No amount of that can release what you are here for if it is not sanctioned by Scripture. If you're not in line with God. This is conventional prayer. And the results of this is what? Frustration, disappointments, disillusionments, complaining, grumbling, comparing yourself, inferiority complex. This is the result of the wrong kind of prayer. That's why we received a message just two weeks ago where Prophet T.B. Joshua said filling your prayer with scripture helps to ensure that your prayer lines up with God's word and intention for your life. Let's quickly go to the next one. Desperate prayer. Tell your neighbor, desperate prayer. You know this kind of prayer? Casting and binding. My enemy, wherever he is right now, die by fire. Whichever, whatever he has played, die by fire. When the Bible says God will prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. If they die by fire, who will witness the glory of God in your life on the table? I I ask this question. If Prophet TB Joshua offered that kind of prayer, how many people would be here today? When, if we are sincere with ourselves, many of us in the past have bound and loosed and bound and loosed Prophet T.B. Joshua in prayer. We bind him, then we loose him again. (laughs) God is not interested in the death of a sinner, but that he should come to repentance. We're not fighting flesh and blood, you're fighting your neighbor fighting your mother-in-law your father-in-law they are the cause of my problem they are which they are this They're God should strike them down you are fighting the wrong kind of battle this is a very simple example see this door I, I hope uh camera can see this door let me show you what you do anytime you are praying against your enemies here you are praying against your enemies God should should destroy them Should finish them, wherever they are. I curse them right now. The door that your enemies are using to attack you is open. Satan rules through sin. Your enemy can only attack you through sin. You are busy praying against your enemy, but the roots that he is going to use to inflict you, you have opened it. Uh, do, Do you understand? You're busy praying, God, God, trying to strike the roots of that problem the roots of that problem the door is open what do you need to do close the door how do we close the door stop praying against your enemies and start praying against your weakness because your weakness is the roots the avenue that Satan uses to enter and hit you and afflict you and touch you. And you're busy saying, die by fire, die by fire. Whereas the door is open. You have to close the door. What is the summary of this? We should be more concerned about relationship than about results. Relationship with God. We should be more concerned concerned about relationship with God and results. Breakthrough, blessing, healing, deliverance. It's available for you on the table. What should concern you now is relationship. That scripture I read, Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 to 8. The next verse, verse 9, shows us how we should approach God in prayer. And we have read it and can quote it, it's the Lord's Prayer. It simply says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. Now, every sentence of the Lord's prayer is a sermon in itself. But I just want to bring out two very vital points when God himself is instructing us how to approach him in prayer. Number one, acknowledge who God is. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. For yours is the kingdom, the power, the glory, and honor forever. Acknowledge who God is. We pray not to... Hold God to our mind, but to bring ourselves to his. Acknowledge who God is. Number two, acknowledge who you are before God. Forgive us our sins, Lord, as we forgive those who sin against us. Anytime you approach God in prayer, picture yourself. We are a mere shadow. How can clay tell a potter what to do? How can clay tell a potter what to do? We are a mere shadow. James in the Bible describes man. As a beautiful flower that blossoms for a while and then withers. A vapor that appears for a while and then disappears. And yet we approach God as if he does not know who we are. And we approach God without acknowledging who we are before him. In the Bible, there's a wonderful example of pizza in Luke 5, verse 8. Pizza did not dare to enter the fire of Jesus' purity and the light of Jesus' holiness. He got on his knees and he said, depart from me, Lord. Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. He acknowledged his position before God as a sinner in need of salvation. Not coming to demand blessing, demand healing, demand breakthrough, demand prosperity. In the same vein, the centurion in Matthew 8 verse 8, when he, he told Jesus about his situation, Jesus said, I'll come with you to your house. The centurion said, No! I am not deserving that you even enter my roof. Just say the word. This means no one is too rich or poor to acknowledge their weakness. Just as no one is too good or bad to qualify for God's grace. Today, we are no longer conscious of our sin, our weakness, when we enter the presence of God. That is why we can Dare to enter his purity and holiness and begin to demand for blessing as if it is our rights, as if we deserve it. I'm not trying to tell you people of God that God has not promised good and wonderful and abundant blessings for his children. God knows how to take care of his children. I'm just simply telling you our approach to God matters. Brethren, in conclusion, I want to read a very inspiring scripture in that book of Romans, chapter 11. And I want you to listen carefully to the words of this scripture Romans 11, from verses 33 to 36. It reads thus Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God? That God should repay them. For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. The duty of prayer is founded on the sufficiency of God. In other words, God has all you need therefore let us not limit or restrict God to certain answers by just praying for specific needs our prayer should be of thanks not just for what God has done for what he is able to do for he is able to do more than we could ever dream The way out now is for you to be more concerned about your relationship with God than the results. Because at God's time, everything is beautiful. God takes care of his good and faithful children. But God will not release a blessing unto you if he knows that blessing may likely Lead to a temptation that will take you away from Him. He's more interested in your eternal glory than your present comforts. So take care of your relationship with God, and Jesus will take care of the results. May God bless His word. in the midst of our hearts as we are not just a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word in Jesus' name.